Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Theater Podcast. It's been a while. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. And Steph's got a new book, How to Recover from Toxic Relationships, coming out soon. How's yeah, exactly. That's exciting. Yeah. I, have to re- I, I actually was, uh, was going to read through the whole book on my vacation. I read through a good portion of it. I haven't finished it yet, so, but Thank so far it's, it's been a great read. So. I do. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that you take my books on vacation. That means a lot. Yeah. We, uh, we went on vacation and uh, intention was that I was going to read a lot, but uh, ended up we did uh, some other stuff. And drinking. A lot of drinking, which was uh, fun until it was not fun. But, uh, yeah. Now back... There are many things in life that are fun until they're not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, any vodka-based uh, iced tea drinks, no, just don't trust those. Just, just don't. What's an example of a vodka-based iced tea drink? Uh, so, like, Arizona iced tea, I guess in the last few years they've come up with their own alcoholic version of Arizona iced tea. Yeah, so... Um, my partner was saying, like, oh, I want something that's easy drinking. So we got that because, hey, iced tea is pretty easy drinking. And it was, it was, it was indeed uh, easy drinking, but it's probably too easy drinking because you drink, like, three of them, and the next thing you know, you're feeling it, but you don't realize you drank three of them because oh, it just yeah. tastes like regular iced tea. Like, yeah, it's got a kick to it, a little bit of alcohol there. But uh, so, yeah. But, yeah back and uh, get to talk about Gilmore Girls again, even though it's season seven, not quite most people's favorite, but uh, interesting. Yeah, interesting is probably the right word for it, isn't it? Because it really is. Um, <laughs> I mean, Michael's like, how's season seven going? I'm like, boy. And I said, but you know, I really just love spending time with Kurt chatting up. That's very sweet of you. Uh, also, a testament to how <laughs> terrible season uh, seven is because it is it is not uh an easy one to get through um did you have to watch the revival too oh, yeah yeah I, I like the revival i know some people have issues with it but i largely like the revival it's i don't think he's seen it but he knows about season seven so. okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna talk about the um we're gonna talk about that later uh the, the revival so but, uh, yeah, until then, uh, we still got season seven, which we're trudging along. We're now on uh, season seven, episode ten. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to pull it up here. It's been such a hot minute since I've done one of these. Uh, um, but, and then uh, I filled it, too, so that's the other thing that happened when we weren't recording last week. Yeah. So the dodgeball lines have been even more so you and I both had COVID. Yeah, because I had COVID before my vacation, and... I came back from mine, and you were like, got COVID, so. But luckily, in both of our cases, we were vaccinated, so the, it's still not fun, even if you've been vaccinated, but I think the symptoms are a whole lot more manageable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. um, Thanks for the science. Yes, thank you, science. Uh, But, yeah, um... We're talking season seven, episode ten, Merry Fisticuffs. So we're really just getting in deep to uh, 
season seven. We're almost halfway through season seven, which I guess is an upside question mark. You know, we're we're, we're getting close to being done. We just mercilessly dog in the season. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, the upside is it's almost over. That's that's something. I, like we're just not even, we're just being so transparent. I yeah. I just I don't know. It's season seven, it's. It, there's a lot of Christopher, and I think if you're not a fan of Christopher, it's like all of a sudden here's a whole season where you have a whole lot more than, of him than you otherwise would. That's why I, I think a lot of season seven I just don't like is like I'm not a big Christopher fan, so whenever he's on screen, I'm like, please, can we just stop? Like, It's like being told you get a tetanus shot every week. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just like not something you look forward to. Like, no. you know, you gotta do it, but. Yeah, and they actually have some like actual benefits. Whereas watching this, there's very little benefits, unless you count watching the big scrap at the end between Luke and uh, Christopher, which is some some level of satisfying. Even if mm-hmm. it feels weird, and I feel like Gilmore Girls to have the two of them fight it out like that. Um, you can definitely tell that the show is now in male hands because I don't think Amy Sherman Palladino would ever do a scene like that. Like, yeah, people have gotten, like, close to fighting or stuff like that. There's been a few altercations. I think of, like, Jess and Dean back in Season 2. Uh, back in the fight at the party and all that. But, like, realistically speaking, most times on the show, there's not a whole lot of fights. Um... But, not like this. No. Yeah. But also at the same time, too. Choreography. Yeah. Those also, someone who's not a big Christopher fan, though, it was a little satisfying to see Luke just last and punch on him. Not gonna lie. Wouldn't, like, wouldn't you not want to fight Luke instead of fighting Christopher? Like, Luke, I would not mess with. Yeah. Christopher, I, he wasn't really winning that fight either. Like, I was trying, I was watching, and I'm like, Who's winning this fight? And I feel like I'll, maybe I'm biased because I don't like Christopher, but I felt like Luke was winning that fight. But but like violence is never the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's there's some moments where it's like okay, you know, I think just how much pent up frustration I've had with some of seeing Christopher this season. Yeah, seeing Luke just uh, getting into it with him was was great, but. Uh, what starts this off? Well, Luke and Lorelai, they kind of have a moment after Luke introduces uh, Lorelai to Liz's new baby, and Christopher is just not having it. Um, and then it makes things worse because Christopher starts trying to push a baby on Lorelai, and she's like, okay, way too soon to have that conversation. Like, like I don't know. Wait, what did you think of that? And that's part of my psych stuff is you guys gotta talk about this before you make a commitment. Yeah. Talk about when you're gonna have kids or not because I've seen so many couples where they just never talk about that. That's one thing you gotta talk about because either you do or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you have not talked about it beforehand, it's gonna come up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it things kind of spiral out from there because Christopher kind of starts getting bitter with Lorelai. Uh. It was, Kind of, well, he's pretty rude to her during their um, wedding rehearsal party planning thing they were doing. Um, yeah. He's trying uh, to kind of save Phoebus in front of Emily. Yeah. He's kind of been a nemesis for a while, and he's just digging into her in front of her. I really felt for a lot. 
Oh yeah. Like that's not me. Don't do it. Don't do that. But I'm like, I'm like gonna take every little bit of that and use this ammunition. Hundred percent. Uh, and then also too, we get progress on the whole Rory and Marty storyline, which has been going on for a while now, where it's like. Clearly, Marty and Rory know each other, but uh, they were kind of keeping it on the, a little bit of the down low from uh, Lucy there. Uh, and then Logan just decides to just put it all out in the open. And I don't know. That also is something I have some feelings about because I'm like, okay, there's more people involved in here than just you, Logan. Why did you go do that? Right. Like, now Logan's going to go with Truth being his default. Yeah. And it just, like, I understand telling the truth, yeah, that's that's good, but also, like, being tactful and being considerate of others is also something, too, and, yeah, he was he was not that, so, I kind of understand Rory being upset with him, because it's like, yeah, you did this without any sort of preamble or anything, just was like, yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna expose the truth, and, yeah, just did not go well for him. Yeah, he part of this was his dramatic flair, which I'm like, you know, Logan, you really think of the reason seeing how Christopher was, the thing kind of, you know, gets Emily into thinking, like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna try to convince my daughter that she's got to make this work, and I'm like, yeah, I could, I could tell you this probably, so, I was going to say, this, this is kind of one of those relationships where I, I feel like, is there much <laughs> to make it work, like, I, uh, Christopher is Christopher, and I'm like, uh, it's, there's only so much you can do with, uh, with a rock like that. He's got to work through some of his own stuff, through therapy or something. Yes. He's got some issues. He's going through the beach. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, yeah, that was pretty much the episode. Uh, this episode was written by David S. Rosenthal, the new showrunner of the show. And again, you can tell the show's been written by a, a man because, uh, yeah, I don't think Amy Shore Palladium would have ever done a scene like the big fight before. So we've never seen that in Mrs. Maisel or any of her other works, right? Like, no, and like largely she's yeah. not like violence. Like she's more about witty dialogue and stuff like that, not violence. She's in a verbal story, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like writing a fight scene is probably easy compared to the snappy dialogue she writes, right? Fights can be pretty tough to coordinate just because, like, there's oftentimes, uh, when you're doing like, a large fight like that, there's things like continuity, like whereabouts, where you, you know, where did they fall, where are you getting and standing up from, so they can be a lot of work, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and uh, this episode is directed by Jackson himself, Jackson Douglas. Really? Yeah. This is like, what, his second or third episode he's directed? Yeah, he did. He directed three episodes in total, and this was the third one he directed. So, probably not that I don't think he actually appeared in this episode. Yeah. I don't think he's appeared in any unless he's directed. No, which is kind of bizarre. But. Yeah, because it's not like a Redford thing. You show up and, like, the things you direct or. Yeah, normally. 
Plus, you know, Jackson's in the town, so it wouldn't be that unreasonable to have him show up, so. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. Um, best performance, in le- or favorite and least favorite performance. Who do you have? Uh, Randall, the opera. Wedding event coordinator was good. I liked him for some reason. And he, I'm sure this is only appearance, but I liked him. And then worse was Liz. I just don't, I was. She actually gave uh, Luke good advice in this episode, but it's just her, her character just doesn't do it for me. Closure, but. Um, well, I did also, I think the actor's name is Edward Hibbert. Um, funny enough, I've actually been rewatching Frasier, and he shows up in that as well. Oh, really? So I had this weird feeling of like, am I watching the right show? Because. I'm so used to him on Frasier, but, um, he replaced... Is he, is he American? No, he's British. Oh, he is British, okay. Yeah. Um... Is he pretty convincing accent? Right. Yeah, he, uh, he's, he was great in this, too. And, uh, I wonder if, like, at the time, like, now it's been so far removed, but, like, at the time, Frasier had just ended. And Frasier was one of, like, the most popular shows on TV, so... I yeah, think it was really high caliber cast, yeah. Yeah, so I I imagine like when he showed up at the time it was probably a bigger deal. Now I feel like when he shows up, like I'm sure people are like, eh, but like you know. He's still he's still great in this, but like I th- I wonder if like at the time in the context of Frasier and all that, it was like a bigger guest star because it kinda of feels like it would be, but Yeah, I mean the context I mean, Yeah. No. Um and then least favorite, uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few, but I'm gonna have to say Christopher. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to sympathize, sorry, with him, but I just did it. Uh, his constant whining throughout this episode and like his selfishness in terms of him wanting to like have the baby and all this other stuff. Like, I don't know. It's it's easy to say Christopher, but it's easy because it's true a lot of the time. And I I don't know. I just. I really was affected by like a lot of the choices they made with his character in this episode, both from a writing standpoint, and I'm sure part of it was to also do the acting as well. So, uh, do you have a favorite reference from this episode? Well, I thought it was interesting that Lorelai referenced Rent because that's based on La Boheme, which is an opera, which you have Randall was the, the opera slash event coordinator. So, and also I. Uh, uh, this is a little side. There's a song in there that references Vin Blue. And you mm-hmm. have, um, uh, what's Mr. Murder's character's name again? Uh, Lucy. Lucy, thank you. And he was looking at my dog. And, um, and she says something like, let's go to any restaurant, and, you know, I'll see you there with some Vin Blue or something like that. All the Indian dishes, you name one that's actually in one of the songs I've read. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of like a little circular thing. But yeah, La Boheme is, uh, is, is an opera that is, it's, I mean, Brent was, was loosely based on it, but it's basically about, um, like Lorelai says, like, you, you know, let's just set up this to look like, like the kind of rent increase more um, in New York City, and Lava Wem is, is sort of like that. It's like class worker struggle. So mm-hmm. anyway, so that, so they referenced opera, and there was supposed to be an opera coordinator there. So there you go. There's my reference. So how about you? Uh, yeah, there was a few, um... Yeah, I think uh, Logan, or Lucy says to Logan something about how he 
sold the internet or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, which actually is true. The internet was something that was, at one point, up for sale, which is crazy to think about, but... Was Tim, Tim Lee part of that, or what was the... Because Gore did have something to do with the early... Yeah. The way it was, the way it was, like, portrayed in the media was not accurate as how he was saying it. But isn't it Tim Berners-Lee that actually was, like, like one of the forerunners of the internet, I think? And, and Gore had something to do with that? I didn't realize that, like, Berners-Lee was possibly, like, coming up for saying it. Yeah. Um... Because I think Al Gore was has consistently made claim that he invented the internet, which is not entirely he true. Said that. Sorry. And and he actually didn't say that, so that's oh. something I think media has taken. So I think that's where it was taken out of context. Mm. And he, I think he did have a role in in not the like the Tim Berners Lee era, but uh, but later on he did have a lot to do with the policy because he was a senator from Tennessee. Um, and so I think that that, I think that the, what, he's, what he said, I don't know if what he said was the correct way that he's, to, to say it, but I think also the media turned it into, oh, he says he created the internet, haha, what about phone kind of thing, and, yeah. um, and it was really taken out of context. So. Uh, but anyways, I did like that, it, yeah, questionable on whether or not, what, what his actual role was in it, but uh, yeah, still, still interesting to see. Um, yeah, you page gets a little more detail about what you actually do with the internet. It's kind of pretty interesting stuff. And he was a roommate of Tommy Lee Jones. That's, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, that would definitely be the odd period, for sure. And it probably really worked well, too. Because they probably were really good compliments of each other. And I think, I think he's been, um, Al Gore's been pretty open about him with social anxiety. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Favorite quote? Do you have a favorite quote from this episode? I think because I, I just have attorneys in my family, I picked Liz's quote of nobody likes lawyers. Because Luke, when she's like, hey, you need a lawyer for the custody stuff, and he's like, I don't like lawyers, she's like, nobody likes lawyers. Like, nobody really wants to go to a lawyer, right? Nobody goes, woo, get to go to a lawyer. But yeah. you know, they can really help you, especially when there's custody issues, and we'll talk about that in the second part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, for me, there was a point where Emily says, I have the most exciting news and more or less is you canceling the wedding party. And then Emily says, I got Randall Farber as your party planner. And then Laura says, he's canceling my wedding party. So, yeah. I thought that was clever. I mean, it's not the most inventive writing I've ever seen on the show. But for this episode, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, you could tell they're trying their best to emulate that style. I don't know if they're quite successful, but they're trying. Uh, Jeb, uh, sorry, let me see here, um, oh, Fantasy Trivia, that's what's next. It's been a while, so we're a little rusty getting back into things, but, um, oh, this is interesting. When Chris and Laura are in bed, the comforters are the same ones that, that are in France. So, I'm guessing they just reuse the same. It looks like Fret, F-R-E-T-T-E, comforters, mm -hmm. and I wondered if that was part of the, I, I think Fret's in French or... Italian brand, mm. so I was wondering if it was the ones with like the pattern around the outside, right? So yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was a fret. Yeah, so it it it's the same one from when they went to France. So it's just funny. 
Because obviously, they're not going to go to France. They're going to reuse assets and sets and stuff like that, but still. Just a little bit they of They could have bought at a French hotel. Yeah. yeah. But it also, if, if it's Brett, those are kind of a higher price point, which would make sense, since Christopher's always talking about how much money he has. Mm-hmm. And the hotel they were staying in, looked like, you know, from what they were saying, it was an expensive hotel, so it makes sense that Brett's the brand name. Yeah. There, there was one particular point where um, they were talking about having a kid, and then, well, I guess it was more so Christopher was, and he was saying, like, oh, our kids could, we have enough money that they can go to undergrad and law school and all this, and I'm like, oh, there's so many times where he just throws his wealth around as if, like, that's the solution to the problem, and I'm just like, I, I can't, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, so. Sex section, the fact that he said, oh, well, our first kid turned out pretty well, and Laura, like, quickly corrected him and said, basically, that she raised her well. And I yeah. thought that's a very excellent point. Mm-hmm. So he still had this thing that, like, oh, she magically turned into this great person, which I think we can also say Roy's character over time has had some big flaws. Um, but again, Christopher just doesn't, it doesn't make sense that Lorelai just quickly forgives him just not being a part of their lives. Yeah. It's not a situation like with Anna and Luke where she just denied the existence of her child to him. Christopher knew very well that that Rory existed and just chose not to be involved. And it still doesn't really fit character, I think, for Lorelai to just kind of screw over that and act like it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. So I like that it was addressed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other psych stuff? So I thought it was interesting to look at, um, at how they portrayed uh, Luke going to the family law attorney. Uh, the idea that, that uh, judges side with the mother, um, that's not necessarily the case. And I think that things, I, and I, I'm not sure if, I think even back when this aired, so it was only like 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. in many states you have to go to mediation before you go to court. And mediation is where the two of you sit down and you kind of come to an agreement with your attorneys there and the mediator, and that's one of the things I do. I'm a, I'm a Florida Supreme Court certified mediator. So the idea is that you come to an agreement between the two of you so the judge doesn't decide. And it's when you don't come to an agreement and it goes before the judge, and that's when the judge decides custody. And what the judge decides goes. So it's in everybody's best interest to come to an agreement. And usually what I've seen, and this could be you know, my, my circuit or state, that uh, the default tends to be 50-50, which means that if you go to mediation or go to the judge about custody, usually the default is the time is split equally amongst parents. Mm-hmm. So I just want to mention that, that it appears in this, and again, I don't know Connecticut, I don't think referring to Connecticut, but usually it's 50-50. So again, you go to mediation before the judge decides. But it is, but it is a time-consuming, energy-consuming, emotion-consuming, money-consuming process. Yeah. So it's in everybody's best interest. But if you're dealing with a possibly high-conflict co-parenting issue, which this could potentially be with the way Anna was behaving, Liz is right on the money that you know, custody stuff gets sticky. It's also called time-sharing in some states too. So if I call time-sharing, it's a default sort of. But you really do the family law attorney and and if it's part of a 401 there are plenty of family law attorneys that will work for you pro bono at no charge or low bono which means a sliding scale but you really want to find out what your rights are and what your kids are and also there's something about uh, they joke about um, Lucy says that uh, what's his face was stalking her what's what's his name 
the the guy who's trying to hide his friendship with Rory. Oh, um, the Barbie fake thing. So they're talking about how he stalked her, and I know that people say that's not how they stalk him. But I just want to be clear that romanticizing stalking is not okay. Um, yeah. That that we need to get out of that mindset. I think that this is something that you see in media. They talk about oh how cute he was he was meeting her wherever she was at. There's a there's a boundary there, and so I just want to keep people aware that we should never normalize stalking behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think it's tricky because if someone says oh yeah they're stalking me. It's kind of like when we talk about, oh, I have anxiety. That doesn't necessarily mean you have a diagnosis of it, but it's on a continuum, right? So if you mention stalking, right, there are cases of people being threatened by stalking. And um, and if it's so we have to be just really careful sometimes with the words we use. And I thought the way she was describing it kind of bordered on kind of sketchy. Uh, what did you think when she was describing when she was saying, oh, he's stalking me? I... I got the impression that, like, she was, like, she's a very bubbly, happy character. Like, I wonder if, like, yeah, she felt uneasy or something, but now that she, you know, she was in a relationship with him, she can probably look back on it finally, but, like, that is not a guarantee, and that's not always going to happen. In fact, probably, because many other ways before it goes that way. So, I don't know. I got the impression that, like, she could have, like, how she was treating it was a rarity, but... It doesn't happen like that a lot of the times. So So you just have to be careful about romanticizing it. Yeah. I think just, like, understanding that, like, you, you know, it it is uh, very alarming behavior. Um, And especially, like, nowadays where there's really no need for stuff like that. Like, obviously back when the show came out, like, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't anything like that. Like, you know, not to excuse it, but to say, like... Right. Yeah, like nowadays you could say, hey, I found you, blah, blah, blah. I just want to reach out and say hi. But, like, obviously this was before that. Like, I think MySpace might have been a thing, but probably not super predominant. Anyways, I'm not making excuses. I do think uh, what he did was creepy. I think that's just the thing with Marty. It was interesting, too, like, Marty in the f- seasons before, like, he was definitely socially awkward and, like, kind of one of those guys that just missed his time. Like, I know he, he wanted to be with Rory, but, like, clearly he missed his opportunity, too. Um, but he, yeah. I think where it gets weird for me is that, like, he had his chance and he's now still being weird about it. Like, most people would be like, eh, shucks, had my chance and I missed my shot or whatever. Like, there's better ways to go about doing it, so. And remember, too, that... That Logan saying this thing about I need to say that he introduced us was precipitated by Marty picking up Rory's napkin and you could see Logan staring daggers at it. Yeah. So something's after Logan about that. Mm-hmm. So and, and I would say a good rule is if you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't know if this is stalking, don't do that thing. Yeah. So uh all right, I think send us give us a score. What do you think for a rating? It's kind of better than season seven. So I'd say I'm I'm gonna land on like a five point five. What do you think? Yeah, I mean this this episode's kind of a tough one because there is some parts to it that are a little bit more entertaining than others, but there are some that are worse than others. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think like the scene where Christopher just turns up to. Laurel Lyons says, let's make a baby. I, I, 
no matter how many times I watch that scene, it's just cringe-inducing every single time I watch it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd go with, like, maybe a 2 out of 10. Uh, these are still pretty rough episodes. That's just a shame, too, because the show is so much better than this. So, like, stuff like this, and you compare it to, like, other relationships in the show, and it's just... I think what makes Season 7 more difficult to watch than others, too, is, like, it's Christopher, it's Christopher and uh, Lorelai but with none of the nuance, and just more, it's just more obnoxious than anything. Like we talked about before, it's like they took the idiosyncratic of characters and blew it up to make their entire character. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, if this was being handled by Amy Sherman Palladino, you know, I'm sure I would still probably not like it as much, but I would probably like it more than I do, so. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, Steph is over at StephanieStarkis.com, healing from toxic relationships with a new book out in a month, so that's exciting. Uh, and I'm over at 3DNerds.com, where almost every other day I've got new content going up. And with that said, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye.